Welcome into episode 26 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I am happy to be joined by a special guest. You've heard him on the show before a couple weeks back uh, when, when we went on our trip to South Carolina, and we are bringing him back for round two for a special edition of the Sources Say Podcast. Podcast. KSR's own Zach Gagan. Zach, my man, it's been a long time. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. It was a busy day today. I know. Well, that that is exactly why I wanted to talk to you and you only. So uh, after dedicating the episode earlier this week to almost entirely recruiting and, and we answered a lot of um, fan questions and kind of did some hot take stuff and, and then we threw it to an interview with Lance Wares, AAU coach, Andy Borman. Really fun episode. Uh, if you if you missed that one, go back and listen to that. Um, but this this week, or I, I kind of told you guys back then that I, that I wanted to record two episodes this week. The first dedicated to that, and the second was originally going to be uh, a full episode with David and, and Travis again. Um, but I kind of realized that there wasn't a whole lot going on in recruiting, and I'm not just going to sit here and you know throw a headset on and just ramble for no reason, you know, with, without any actual substance to talk about. So, um, isn't th- that like every podcast? Well, outside of the norm, usually we at least have a few noteworthy things to talk about, and then we babble on for way too long as it is. But this week, but but I wanted to change it up just a little bit because there was so much stuff going on in the NBA world with today's NBA trade deadline. Uh, I wanted to talk to you and you know there were a lot of UK players involved in trades you know dating back you know, roughly a month ago or so uh, but specifically over the last 2 days in, in particular um, a lot of not so popular names with with you know at least NBA level you know guys from from Kentucky guys like Brandon Knight and Jared Vanderbilt and all that but we wanted to break down those moves and kind of their significance and what it means for these guys careers moving forward and then kind of transition this into just a, a big primer for um, just what the heck happened in, in the NBA world and what it means for the other guy, you know, you know, other BBNBA members that uh, were affected by these trades. So it's it was just as as. Zach said it's an it was an absolute day of chaos. We were sitting there texting. We we probably sent 150 text messages back and forth. You know, going through every single trade one after the other. Uh, we'd get one notification. We'd instantly see who'd be the the quickest guy to um, to send it to the other person. This is this is like consumed our whole day. So we thought it'd be stupid to not throw a, a, a pair of headphones on and break this thing down. So I wanted to bring on my friend Zach. We're gonna just dive into all this stuff and talk about what it all means as kind of a, um, you know, we're thinking about making this a normal thing. So we want, we love, we love your feedback. If this is something that you're interested in, this is something that you guys would like to hear moving forward. Please, by all means, reach out to either of us on Twitter and, uh, um, let's get, let's get this thing going, man. Are you excited? This is, this will be fun. I'm doing, I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. Well, BBNBA trade deadline special starts now. So, last night, Jared, well, we can, let's go back about a month or so, and we'll start from there and kind of work our way up with Kentucky guys. So, uh, I believe the first trade 
that we saw from former uh, former Kentucky players was winning Gabriel when he got traded from Sacramento to Portland, uh, and not long after he received his first NBA start, and it, it happened, um, I, I believe, just a couple days after the passing of Kobe Bryant, and the Lakers. They they did play the Lakers, so that it was it it was literally the first game um, that we saw from the Lakers after the the horrific incident. So it you know Wyndon Gabriel got his time in the spotlight. You know, so Zach, tell me what happened in that game and kind of what has happened in in his career with with Portland since. Well, first of all, did you watch that uh, that game at all? I watched. Uh, the, Enough to the beginning of it to see Winnie and play, and then when it when it very quickly. Well, did, did you see? Did you see the like the thirty minute tribute thing they did to Kobe? Yes, yes, I did see that. That was awesome. Oh, it was very good. Yeah, I thought you were. Really I thought you were talking about Winnie. Winnie's play no. in particular. I was like, well, but, yeah, there's only so much for, you can talk about with a two rebound, no point game. Well, and that's the thing. Like he didn't put up many stats. So the reason that Winnie got that start was because Carmelo Anthony was dealing with the loss of Kobe. So he didn't. He wasn't even with the team for that game. Right. Uh, so Wenyan got the surprise start and played, uh, I think he played like 20 minutes or something. And yeah, like you say, he didn't put up many points, but he actually played pretty well. I know uh, he had to guard Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Uh, pretty, I think every single possession I watched him, he was guarding <laughs> one of those two. And if he wasn't guarding LeBron James, he was guarding Anthony Davis and then they were just doing pick and rolls. And like, it was not fair. I felt bad for him. I noticed but he, really did. he held his own. He played really well. He plays with effort and energy. He's definitely, that type of guy right now where he's just he's got to be flying all over the court diving for loose balls and stuff because he's not necessarily a impact score in in any way right now but he's got like those other intangibles that have helped him and even since that game he hasn't really played and he probably won't as long as Carmelo is back but right um it's nice that he's he finally got some playing time there because he's technically a rookie even though he was with the Kings last year, but he was on a two-way deal and then got converted and all that. So it's just nice to see him actually play. Cause I, it, it, even when he was in Kentucky, I felt like he could have an NBA career. Yeah. I, it, it was so sad. Kind of, you, you scroll through Twitter that night and you're like, Oh, winning Gabriel's getting his first start. Everybody's hyping him up. Like, yeah, go show him big fellow. Like this is, this is your time to shine. You've been waiting for this moment when you left Kentucky, you know, you wanted this spotlight. This is exactly what you're looking for. And what worse way to get your first NBA start started by going, you know, absolutely getting destroyed by Anthony Davis, arguably the best big man in, in the NBA. And then, uh, oh, when you're not being guarded by Anthony Davis or guarding Anthony Davis, how about you try stopping LeBron or, you know, try to score on LeBron? It was just a very uh, – it was a nightmare scenario for him. But He actually fouled out in that game in the early third quarter. <laughs> I think he played – I don't think – let me look up how many minutes he exactly played, but I know he fouled out within the first few minutes of the third quarter. Like he was literally just in there to hack away. Wasn't his stat line zero two and six with the six yeah, being? Yeah, he, uh, he six went. Fouls? He went zero for three. Had one rebound, one assist, one block, Ooh. six fouls in twelve minutes. Six. Wow, that's impressive. That's very I, honestly that's that's got to be a career high for him. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's still a good game. So yeah, it's that. That's a shame. Um, well, you know, we don't need to drone on about every single 
every single guy, but we'll we'll kind of talk about um, at the end just all these guys as as a collective unit and and you know biggest surprises and all that stuff. So so we'll get into it a little you know a little bit more here in a minute. Um, next trade was Willie Colley Stein from Golden State to Dallas. So this was a pretty interesting move because. Zach, when when he got when he signed as a free agent with with Golden State this summer, it was kind of a wow. It, you know, he's been stuck in Sacramento for so long. They've been such a bad franchise. You know, you know, haven't made the playoffs, and who you know, who knows how long. And and it was just it, you could tell that his time there was you know he he kind of done all he he could do with that franchise, and he was ready for a, a fresh start elsewhere. And what better place to go than Golden State where you're going, you know, you're playing with with a winning franchise, a team that's dedicated, they're all in right now as a win now organization. That is literally what he wanted when he left when he when he decided to explore free agency. And uh, I know he had a kind of an ugly breakup in Sacramento with his agent kind of speaking out like, "Yeah, I think his oh, time yeah. there's done." It was it, it was it was an ugly breakup, but for him to kind of find that situation in Golden State with a winning Franchise, it was like, oh, this is a, this is a, um, this is a a match made in heaven for him. And from there, it was just absolute disaster. What you know, break down why it was a disaster and why this move to to Dallas is such a, a a fresh start for him in the best way possible. Well, it was a disaster for obvious reasons because Steph Curry broke his hand and. The Warriors immediately started to tank their season away about five games in, and there was just nothing they could really do with Draymond Green as the best player. And D'Angelo Russell was in and out with injuries. We'll obviously talk about him more in a second. But so it really just never really had a good chance to play in Golden State. And uh, he even took like he took a small deal. He took a two year like minimum contract to do this. Um, with a player option in the second year, so he can kind of do what uh, Boogie did, which was you know try and sign smaller deals in hopes of getting a bigger deal right. in the long run. And he really hadn't been performing all that well. He was averaging career lows pretty much across the board and everything. Um, so now Dallas, and obviously you know Golden State was not a uh, contender at this point, and Dallas is. They're one of the best offenses in the NBA. Luka Doncic is great. Um, Willie hasn't really gotten much run. He's Uh, played five games for them. He's only averaging 13 minutes, but um, you know, with Kristaps Porzingis and everyone, it's going to be a, it's going to be a long transition, I think for him, but I do think uh, Dallas is a good spot for him right now, depending on what happens. Dallas has a bunch of really good role players uh, that kind of sit behind Willie or sit in front of Willie, I guess. So I don't know how uh, much of a long-term deal he is, uh, but they needed to get some sort of, backup center after Dwight Powell, who was their starting center. Uh, I think he tore his Achilles and right. he was playing the best, best ball of his career as well. So losing him was a huge knock. Um, so they obviously trusted Willie enough to, you know, go get him and kind of let him thrive in that role. He's he hasn't really had the opportunity to do so yet, but it's a good spot for him. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Isn't it kind of crazy that, that you look at golden state and you think, wow, you know, after, after all those years, in in Sacramento and how very few eyes actually got to see Willie Cauley sign at the NBA level. You and then he he finally gets to Golden State and and 
and you think, wow, yeah, you know, he's he's going to be in primetime games. You know, we're as we're recording this, we're sitting here watching uh, the Lakers versus Rockets, and we're thinking this is the kind of game that Willie would be playing in because Golden State is in these games all the time. And yep. you're like, wow, you you know, he's finally going to get the attention that he deserves. And then, of course, it just so happens that the the Warriors ended up being absolutely horrible, you know, riddled with injuries and. It seems like every single one of their national TV games get flexed, you know, flexed off for you know the Zion Williamson and, and you know the the Pelicans oh, yeah. of the world and the you know the Miami Heat are playing so great and and they're they're getting flexed out in favor of other young up and uh, up and coming teams that you would have never even thought of being national TV guys and and you think. Okay, now he got traded. You know, three years ago, would you ever have imagined the Dallas Mavericks being a you know a team that that got that level of of national attention night in night out? You know, with Luca and and Chris Stops and all that, it's it's just so crazy to think. Yes, the national exposure is finally going to be getting him in Dallas versus Golden State. It's just it, how how things unfolded with his career is just absolutely mind blowing to me. Yeah. Um, speaking of how. Um, Things were mind blowing in, in individual careers. Uh, how about uh, you know? I'm kind of moving up the list as opposed to down. But Brandon Knight got traded today from yes. Cleveland to from Detroit. My, from my Cleveland Cavaliers. So you unfortunately are a Cleveland uh, yes. Cavalier fan. And mm-hmm. I, one, why I don't understand that makes no sense. I know you're a LeBron fan, but I think you, I think I think you deserve to have a pass if you wanted to follow him to L.A. Um, but the, yeah, the, for you to choose that as your as your um, home, I just I just. I, I, I feel for you. I, I'm very apologetic. So Brandon Knight, who had been playing, would what would you, what would be the best? You you have one word to describe his career in Cleveland. What would you say that is? What injured? Luke lukewarm injured. Injured. You know when he was when he was healthy, he was you know they, he had a couple stretches of of pretty solid play, but for the most part, he's just kind of been riddled with injuries. So uh, he is going back where it all started in Detroit. Man, it, well, you know what a what a life you get to go from the beautiful the beautiful sights of Cleveland to the uh, the 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 beauty that is Detroit. Man, that is that is good clean living right there. What you know? Tell me tell me about this move and and the significance of it. And Cleveland to Detroit is like looking in a mirror. <laughs> what 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 did you say when we first got on the got on the phone? There was there was a tweet that said going to going from Cleveland to Detroit is like going from Cleveland to Detroit. You They're know? the same city. Yeah, they are. They are. Uh, they are the so, exact same city in terms of just nothing there. You know, nothing. Nothing there. Nothing there. And as for the trade, I don't even think uh, Brandon Knight will play much. I think he's still currently kind of dealing with an ankle injury, actually, actually, or ankle or knee. It's one of the two. It's been one of the two for the last few years. It feels like with him. Um, but him and John Henson, who were included in that deal, that's uh, went to. Detroit, uh, they're both on expiring deals. So Brandon Knight actually makes fifteen and a half million dollars this year. Are you serious? Yeah, because back when he was in, I think it was Phoenix, he signed a massive. It was like a seventy million dollar deal or something. So Brandon Knight's been getting paid for a while. Okay, uh, but this is last year. It's expiring now, so that's why Detroit was like, "Bring him on. We'll get rid of him at the end of the year." That's he was just a trade chip. He'd been a trade chip ever since he got to Cleveland, and now he's finally. Tri- uh, shipped out. Trivia time. Name me every spot that 
that Brandon Knight has made along his his NBA journey. Ooh, okay. Well, he started in Detroit. Started in Detroit. And he went to Milwaukee. Milwaukee is where he was a borderline All Star. Right. He was really good there. Then I think he went from Milwaukee to Phoenix. Okay. Then he went from Phoenix to Houston. Oh, there you that that was the one I thought I, I thought that yeah, would stump. Then Houston to Cleveland. That's I, I I knew you'd get the first three, but I was very curious if you'd get that Houston. That, that Houston stump. trip is it was weird. It was a brief one. It was it was a brief one, but yes, you you got it. That, think of think of who Brandon Knight was when he left Kentucky. Number eight pick. I mean, I genuinely thought because he is such a brilliant, brilliant per, like just individual outside of his basketball I mean his basketball IQ is just through the roof and you know off court I mean you know he he was the guy that every he always touted you know he everybody talked about his 4.0 that he grew that that he had a 4.0 from like middle school all the way through all the way through college he had like a 4.3 you know something GPA in high school and then brought it to, brought it to Kentucky had a 4.0 and you know everybody talked about wow there you know with his work ethic how hard he works his pure just knack for scoring and just how bril- brilliant he was as a basketball player with his basketball IQ and off the floor, you know, off the floor in, t- in terms of, you know, n- knowing how hard to work, you know, all of, all of that side of things, every, you know, I would have bet, you know, my, you know, my whole paycheck on him being a, a legitimate all-star in the NBA. And I mean, he, you know, he had his stretches. He, he, like, like you said, uh, he, he got pretty close there in Milwaukee, but isn't it just so crazy to think that now Brandon Knight will never be that player that we kind of all expected right. him to be coming out of coming out of well, Kentucky? I think, I think he's only twenty eight too, so Is it's it, not like he's an old man or anything. He might not even be that old. So it's just it it is a shame. His knees betrayed him. Yeah, and that was really it. There was really there's really no other reason or no other explanation for the demise of his career other than the fact that his knees just did not cooperate and because comes- he was doing well and everything and then it was he was in the midst of that all-star season with or borderline all-star season with milwaukee and he even had another season like that in phoenix yeah where both both years he got struck with random injuries yeah like i think one it was it was knee stuff it was ankle stuff i think one time it was just a, another completely random part of his body where so it just it wasn't happening for him Unfortunately, and that's kind of derailed everything for him. And but he was good, and he had his moments. Yeah, on on top of all of the the on court successes, when you think of what is the what does the casual fan think of Brandon Knight's career? What they probably think a bust. What no, like individual moments. What if you ask a casual oh, NBA oh. a casual NBA fan, they say Brandon or Knight getting drunk on Deion, getting dunked on Jordan, <laughs> getting getting dunked on by DeAndre Jordan and getting absolutely destroyed by Kyrie. And what what was that? The Rising Stars game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We crossed him up. I remember that. Crossed him up, and he kind of did that. that. Was, yeah, he his, his foot his foot slipped as he was you know, extending his arms for the block, and he f- slipped and fell to the ground. Kyrie drilled a shot in his eye, and it was like I'm. I'm also pretty sure there's there's two separate incidents where uh, Brandon Knight was in the NBA and had a chance. I, mean, I know one for sure where he had a chance to win a game at the buzzer oh, that's on a layup right. on a fast break layup. <laughs> And he missed it with no one around him. Oh, I, and I think they won an overtime and lost that game. 
Man, I remember that. Guy you're playing the Nets. I'm like almost 99% positive that's it how was, it went down. It was the Nets. Man, what, so, yeah, what could have been? career is just filled with um, embarrassments and everything. And he even – I remember after he got dunked on by DeAndre Jordan, he tweeted out uh, – I didn't know lobs were in the Clippers scouting report, you know, and that was, that was in the middle of lob city and everything. So it's like, he was a good sport about everything, but you, and I read a bunch of stuff about him over the summer about he's, he's not had a fun time yeah, dealing with all these injuries and it's, it's been a real struggle for him. So you feel bad for him in that aspect and everything. And I hoped he could have done something in Cleveland, but they just, they have too many young guards ahead that needed to get more minutes than him. And, Though, so, I think, they just never worked out. I think the overarching theme and, and the biggest takeaway with his career is $15 million is $15 million. <laughs> yeah, man, $15 million, and he hasn't done a thing. So I'm sure he's 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 probably okay with his decisions in life. Okay, moving on. Jared Vanderbilt was traded from Denver to Minnesota in mm-hmm. an absolute just cluster of a trade. Uh, that's, that saw it. that saw 12 players moved in total. He was one of 12. Uh, kind of the biggest two two names in that in that four team deal was it was Clint Capella moving from Houston to Atlanta, and then Robert Covington, a, a, a phenomenal three and D type player, moving from Minnesota 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 to Houston, um, leaving Houston with uh, a good old PJ Tucker to play center moving forward. Which that's in a whole other conversation in itself, but that would have been a probably that, that probably would have been a pretty darn pretty darn good decision. I if they were looking at him, I mean, think of Clint Capella makes what seventeen, eighteen million dollars a year, way pushing, more than Willie pushing twenty. That's what I'm saying for what you got with Clint. I'm a big Clint fan. I, I'm a Boston Celtics fan. I kind of hope that they were able to make something work for work money wise for Clint. But it just you know, when you think of of the center position in the NBA now it's just so uh, you know, it, it's so plug and play. Like you literally, well, especially for a guy like Clint Capella who can't shoot. Right. Yeah. I mean he he literally is a lob catching, you know, rim running yeah. defender Which that's not even all that Houston. not and even work well in uh, Atlanta too next to Trey Young and you know, Trey Young's one of the best passers in the league already, and he creates so much gravity by himself. He's he's got that Steph type gravity. So Capella will do good in in Atlanta. I'm not worried about that. So what? Talk to me about Vando. Why? What so, about his his career in Denver, and why you think Minnesota might be the better? You know, is this is this a positive career move for him? Yes, definitely is in the in the aspect that Denver was already kind of loaded with roster depth, like an insane amount. They're dealing with a bunch of injuries right now, but they get, they can easily go about ten players deep. Yeah, um, and they they shipped off a couple of guys, but they got some more in back uh, in return uh, earlier today. But so Vano just couldn't really get any rhythm. Like uh, he averaged like maybe five minutes a game. So. Um, him, but he did. I saw him tweet or he posted on Instagram earlier today, thanking Denver for all the opportunities he gave him. They were the the team that got him healthy. Yeah. So that was a that's a big deal. It really is because you know at Kentucky he was railed for not being healthy. He was eviscerated for yeah. not being healthy, which I never understood. So and you could tell he was truly hurt because he ne- he never has really got healthy until this past off season. So right. it was nice to actually see him in that uh, mold. Minnesota, he'll probably get a little bit more run 
um, just because he'll have more opportunity because Minnesota is not good. And even with uh, the moves they made today, they are not going to make the playoffs. Well, yeah, no, so they, they, they they have the I think no. they're tired tied for the worst record in in basketball right now. They are as of this morning they were eight and a half games out of the playoffs with thirty two games left. Yeah. So they are not going to make the playoffs. So they can they can funnel as many minutes to Vanderbilt if they want, especially in the last ten or fifteen games of the season. They're going to try a bunch of stuff with D'Lo and Cat. They're going to get really weird to try and see how those two work together. Um, because it's pretty much a wasted season at this point. They can do that. So you might see Vanderbilt get thrown into some weird lineups and stuff, and hopefully he gets an opportunity to flex his point forward ability, which he never really – because whenever, whenever I watched him in Denver, he was literally just down low trying to fight for rebounds. Yeah. So that really wasn't his style. Yeah. Looking at his stats, he only played in nine games this season, averaging yeah. 1.1 points and 0.9 rebounds per game. He was back and forth in the G League, and he did okay yeah. there, but – Averaging four four point six minutes a game, like I mean, what what do you expect? You know, you you can't carve out any type of role or, you know, no. for you know, there's there's so many guys that like like Romeo Langford, for example, in in Boston. You know, I'm I'm saying this from experience because I'm a Celtics fan, and, and obviously he's a he Romeo's a lottery pick and all that, but but he's been kind of having that same struggle like Vando does in terms of just uh you know just trying to. F- create opportunities and, and create playing time for himself just so he can you know be on the floor long enough to make some sort of an impact it's kind of like what we see with like Johnny Juzang and and Keon you know what we saw with Khalil Whitney and guys like that where where you know you get on the floor for you know a minute and you miss one shot or you you know miss a defense uh, you know, you get scored on or you know whatever whatever the case may be you struggle and you go all right well we we got to put in your replacement because we just can't risk that you know another minute with you in the game so he kind of struggled with that same thing where he could just couldn't find that consistency and that continuity in in Denver and I mean I know his, his career is young and I still think that that no matter even if he had stayed in Denver that he he, he could have carved out a role eventually um mm-hmm. but you know the uh, I think a change of scenery w- was was beneficial for him and to for him to go to a place like Minnesota that even you know despite what their record says I still think that's a, a stand-up organization I think that their their newly hired front office and and kind of how they reshaped that and some really good s- some of the moves that they made you know not just today but um over the last year I mean literally the, the last year I think they've made some phenomenal moves I think they're it, they were already a, fr- a fringe slash actual playoff team over the last several years uh, with Jimmy Butler and and you know all all those guys and 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 I, I think it's a good position for him. I think he he's going to be able to carve out a role for for himself there, and they're going to be on the cusp of of building something special there and 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 only going up from here. I, I think that's yeah. kind of the biggest takeaway that that franchise is only going to go up from here. So yeah. um, so I got, I, I got a couple more thoughts on Vando though. Go for it. So at Denver, he never. Like you were saying, and uh, like how in Boston, Romeo Langford, you know, got those minutes or got those opportunities. See, Vando, he never really even got like Vando was strictly a blowout situation guy. Yeah, only came in if they were losing by so many points that the game was already decided. Yeah, so he never really even got a, a real chance. So that's part of it. Another thing is he's twenty, so that's yeah, that's huge. He's twenty years old, so he's got plenty of time. Um. Actually, I think that's all I had on him. Yeah, but yeah, he needs he he'll get more run. He just he actually needs to be inserted and you know used for real rotational minutes instead of just garbage time. 
Yeah, and I think I think that's exactly what he'll get in in Minnesota. Not not right away. It'll take a minute, but um, it, it's a good it's a good situation for him. I'm I'm excited for him. Vando's one of my all time favorites in at, at Kentucky, given on about as small of a sample size as you could possibly dream of in terms of like favorite so favorite games. favorite players. But like when. When Vando got in the game at Kentucky, like Zach, I don't know if you if you share the share those like same feelings, but like oh, I remember Vando. I in. was just like thrilled. What like I I haven't had that much fun watching a player just because like he was so good. What it, like what what's the he biggest was our best rebounder? What is the complaint about this current team? Oh, there's not a dude, you know, we can, you know, Cal Perry struggling to find a guy that'll fight, struggling to find a guy that's going to give a hustle, uh, you know, maximum effort at all times. When Vando got in the games, he was all effort. That's literally the only thing he brought to the table was I'm going to work my tail off and make sure that nobody else on the floor is working harder than me. Like he that was, was hurt when he did all that. That was his that was his one goal on the floor is I'm working harder than you. And that's something yeah. like I just I just appreciate he, you know, he rebounded well. He, I mean, he went after every single rebound like it was his job, and it like freaked me out every time because you know because of his injury issues and and as we saw at the end of the year when he ended up missing the the rest of rest of uh, the season, um, you know, it it, it 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 screwed him over. But in those brief the, those those very few games that we got out of him, it was he was an absolute joy to watch. So I am I am cheering like absolute hell for him. Yeah, I think once Michael Porter Jr. kind of came back and started to establish himself as a stud, that's when Denver was like, "Okay, we can move on from Vando." Yeah, no, I, I don't, and I think that they had a great relationship with him too, and 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 you know, it just it just happens. It didn't work. It's it happens, fun. and and uh, and he's got another chance. He'll he, get chances. He'll he'll get he'll get plenty more chances. Uh, a guy that I don't know will get very many more chances. Good old Scalabissier. Uh Zach. Oh boy. Um, okay. I got some thoughts on Scal. <laughs> okay, so he was traded today from Portland to Atlanta. Um, so we had a little back and forth about this trade. And originally the first report it was weird. the it was first weird how it broke. The first report came out from Chris Haynes, who is I think he does a bang up job at Yahoo Sports. He came out and said he said uh Scalabissier traded from Portland to Atlanta, Portland giving up Scal, Atlanta giving up $2 million in cash. And it was like, oh, okay, you know, Atlanta feels the need to throw $2 million in cash. Like, you know what? I'm I'm going to I'm not going to give up draft ass, draft assets. I'm not going to give up player assets, but you know what? I'm going to I'm going to throw some cash your way and I'm going to take a shot on on Scalabissier, former first-round pick, former number one overall recruit in the class of 2016? 2016? Yes. 15? Whatever, whatever it was. Uh, no, fi- 15, because it was the 2015-16 season, I, I believe. I, I don't remember. Yep. Whatever it was. Whatever it was. So that was the original, like our original thought process. And it was like, okay, cool, good for him. And then news breaks <laughs> that – it was not Atlanta giving two million dollars. It was Portland extending two million dollars to Atlanta, saying, "Please, for the love of God, take this player off of our hands." 
and it completely changed the narrative of the of the entire trade. So what? Yeah. So give me give me all of these uh, all of these takes you have on good old Scalabissier. Okay, so well, like you were saying, the two million. So Portland attached two million dollars to Scal, um, whose contract is only actually it was one point nine million is what they attached, and Scal's contract is worth two point three million. So they almost paid the price of the player just to get rid of him. Oh gosh. Um, and I, from what I saw, Atlanta does not plan to waive him. Um, Atlanta also acquired Nene in that Houston Clint Capella deal, and they <laughs> did waive they did waive him. So. Um, there is, I think it's weird that they didn't waive him, so they might potentially uh, keep Scal around. We'll see. Um, he's missed the last three weeks with a knee injury um, and still hasn't been reevaluated yet, so who knows how long he'll even be out. He's only played 33 games for Portland this year. Um, but here's the thing is, Scal was actually, before that injury, Scal was probably playing the best basketball I'd seen him play as in the NBA. And a lot of it was due to circumstance because the Blazers were dealing with injuries across the board. Yusuf Nurkic broke his leg last year. Yep. Uh, Zach Collins, uh, he did something to his elbow, or not his elbow, his shoulder. I forget exactly what happened to that, but he's still out. Um, so they had to go out and add this on Whiteside, um, then Rodney Hood towards Achilles. So they've just been dealing with injuries all year. So Scott was kind of thrown in there as like a, look, we need another body. Go, go do some work. And he actually, he performed well. Like he was, he was, like I said, he's playing the best basketball I'd seen him play in a long time. He wasn't, you know, a starting caliber player by any means, but he was perfect off the bench guy behind us on white side. Um, and they were, he was actually doing really well. And I believe that if Scal didn't get injured, he'd probably still be with Portland right now. Um, yeah. But now that he's out and uh. Portland had, had to, cause Portland had, Atlanta doesn't, they have so much cap space coming up that they can afford to just take on a player like that um, and do absolutely nothing with him. Yeah. So that could be their thought process was, look, we'll just take on this guy. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, we have another big body in case something happens to Capella or whatever. Um, in my opinion, Scal's just more of like a, a backup, backup plan. And they knew they, and they knew they could get him for $2 million. They received two million dollars for him. So I just thought I thought it was really really weird how it all went down. Yeah, it's a shame. It's uh, I mean, it's a shame. It because he's twenty three. He is twenty three years old. He's had injuries that have hurt him a lot last uh, year too. Just really hasn't gotten his time in Sacramento wasn't good either. I feel like nobody's time in Sacramento ever goes well. <laughs> so poor guy. I thought Portland would be a better shot for him. And, it was for a little bit, but you know, injuries happen at the worst time, and it did for him. So hopefully, he can recover. But other than that, man, he really just hasn't been a great NBA player. That's just the fact of it. I I, I don't think he's just a good basketball player at this point. Like I I don't I, I mean I am all for uh, you know hyping guys up and and you know giving people the benefit of the doubt like like we're doing with Vando. You know we 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 know things haven't gone his way and and injuries happen and all that, but we're like you know what. Vando's going to turn his stuff around. You know, that's that's yeah. a that's a guy that I think can make it. Well, we don't have a two-year sample size either with Vanderbilt. Yeah, yeah. But it, when I when I think of Scal and I watch his career, nothing about his career makes me optimistic. Nothing. Like there's there's absolutely nothing that makes me think that that is going to be a guy that 
can turn things around. And and it, it's a shame because I think that he does have so many valuable skills and, and you know, his mid-range shot. And I think he does have some decent defensive instincts in the paint when, in terms of shot blocking. And, and I, I don't think he's ever going to be, a, like, a massively effective rebounder. But I still think he had some NBA characteristics. But I just don't know if he can escape his own – you know his own mind I don't think he can yeah. I don't think he has a lick of self-confidence um you know he's like he's like what Nick Richards was as a freshman but was thrown into the NBA ranks like right. because because hey I'm the number one recruit in the nation I'll look like a mistake if I go back to Kentucky for a second year so I'm just going to enter the draft uh team's going to take me on potential and I'm going to get thrown in with the Sharks at 19 years old and my career is going to be gone before before it even really begins you know it's it's just it's sad it, it really is sad it's like it the the joy that we are getting right now watching nick richards will never get with with scal because we aren't able to see that confidence boost we're not able to see that development that growth with i mean as much of a spotlight as it is to to be at kentucky you know, any NBA franchise and people paying millions, you know, millions of dollars for each guys and, and the business aspect of the NBA, like it just, it's just a fact like the, it, it's just different in the NBA. He got thrown in with the Sharks way too early, and I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be the end of his career before we know it. Here, I mean, I, I still think that a couple more teams, you know, he'll probably get a couple more chances here in the next next. And probably, I, I probably give him a strong two years to figure things out before he kind of slowly fades out. But it's it's just a shame that that we're even at this point that we're even having this conversation because he has he had the natural ability, but it just he didn't have the other stuff that came with. Uh, with what it takes to be a, a successful just basketball player as a whole, college, NBA, whatever. Four teams in four years for him. It's yeah, and unfortunately, I think it's going to be yeah, that that number is going to continue to grow as the years as the years grow. It's a shame. Um, well, let's well, you know, we've already kind of gone in depth about a, a a couple of these moves, but why don't we just go through and kind of. You know, move on from just the the player specific stuff with, with the former Kentucky players, and and kind of talk about all of these big big time trades and what they mean for you know the guys associated with them uh, associated with Kentucky. I mean, uh, um, let's let's start with let's the start one. With Cat. Yeah, let's let's talk about the 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 one we kind of hinted at earlier with the Vando trade and and the uh, D'Angelo Russell move that happened this afternoon. So. After talks died down, so they they had been in in pretty significant talks, Golden State and Minnesota for for a while there um, about D'Angelo Russell going to Minnesota, and it seemed pretty darn likely there for a while that it was going to happen. And then over the last twenty four hours, things stalled out like like drastically, like to the point where they said a deal is not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this afternoon, it just seemed like boom, at, you know. Woj bomb, Woj bomb, it's done. Golden State sends D'Angelo Russell, Amari Spellman, and Jacob Evans to Minnesota in return for Andrew Wiggins, uh, 2021 first round pick that's that's protected in the 2021 second round pick, and uh, there's there's a lot of Kentucky ties to this move. A D'Angelo Russell, you know, born and raised in Louisville, he uh, you know 
I, I don't know if that's even where the connection with Cat came from, but I'm not sure. I think it was more of a AAU stuff. Yeah, growing up on um, the circuit. Yeah, but nonetheless, he has Kentucky ties. A bunch of Kentucky ties. He ended up playing at, at Ohio State, but uh, he um, he he born and raised in Kentucky. And then um, he's, he, best he's, he's been friends for a long time. Yeah. And this was a move that cat was, was disgruntled. He's, he was starting to get to the point that uh, we saw with guys like Anthony Davis and uh, you know, Kevin Garnett, it just in Minnesota alone where, where, you know, he got distru- disgruntled. He was, you know, starting to, you know, these losses started to pile up for him and he was starting to go, you know what? I I'm gonna start demanding stuff. I'm I I as a franchise player, I think I I deserve to kind of call some shots at least. And he kind of bullied his way into getting his friend in Minnesota. So like, kind of talk to me about like that dynamic of it, and uh, kind of what do you think it means for for that franchise as a whole? And uh, bigger question: Do you think uh, they add another another friend of their uh, their little friend group trio? Oh, well, here, I'll, we'll, we'll circle back to that one at the end. Uh, so as for the trade, I give Minnesota an A-plus on this. This was exactly what they needed to do literally yesterday before, or I guess so. it's technically Friday morning right now. But uh, So Wednesday night, uh, the Bulls had a game, and before that game, that's when Towns was talking to the media, and he straight up said he was annoyed, and he was losing his patience was yeah. his exact words. And then less than 24 hours later, the Timberwolves do what they've been trying to do, but they've been trying to sign D'Angelo Russell since the off season. Mm-hmm. That was the plan back in the off season and they couldn't get it done. So now they finally got the guy that cat has been vocal. He's openly said that he wants to play with D'Angelo Russell. And he finally got that guy. They somehow managed to get rid of Andrew Wiggins, ridiculous contract. <laughs> um, who's Andrew Wiggins is still like, he's been playing better this year, but he's not, at all Andrew Wiggins so, sucks just say it Andrew Wiggins sucks there's yeah. no there are no redeeming factors about Andrew Wiggins he is an empty he is the living proof of of empty stats and how well, he can turn how he here's can turn empty stats to 144 million dollars he's, he's gonna go to the Warriors and next year the Warriors are gonna have Clay Steph Draymond Green um Eric Pascal uh another first round pick that Minnesota threw them on top of this um, plus the plethora of draft picks that they already have. So Min- Golden State's going to come back next year looking to contend, and Andrew Wiggins is going to be their fourth best player, and that might actually be the best role possible for him. Yeah, he's going to be Harrison Barnes. <laughs> did you see that? Did you see yeah. the the, oh, yes. the, the the meme of of first look at Andrew Wiggins in a Golden State uniform? <laughs> it's just a picture it's of Harrison, Harrison Barnes. Barnes. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's like, and if he can turn into a Harrison Barnes that doesn't uh, choke in the finals, then that's not a bad move, I don't think. So I think from both perspectives, I really don't think it's a bad trade. I because you you please cat. That's that's the number one priority is making sure the cat is happy, and you do that with D'Angelo Russell. The odds of them adding the aforementioned Devin Booker, I would say, are still low, uh, just because Phoenix is definitely in a better position than Minnesota was in terms of um, I guess their team potential and overall potential because uh, Phoenix actually has a solid team around Devin Booker. They just play in the West and they're getting screwed. The Wolves were just bad. The The Wolves were yeah. terrible. The Suns had a bunch of bad injuries and everything. So the Suns could have been a lot better than they are right now. They've lost a bunch of games recently, but I don't, 
to kind of go ahead and dispel that. I don't see Booker getting in a getting to Minnesota anytime soon. But I do think that D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns together is going to be amazing. I think they're definitely going to be a that's a playoff team next year. Um, even in the West, they'll they'll probably have to you know fill in a fill in the roster a little bit, especially after losing um, uh, Bob Cove. That's a that's a yeah. big loss there. So okay, um, tell me. Okay, you are the general manager of the Phoenix Suns, and the Minnesota say the, the say the Wolves end the year um, with. Not not great. They they I don't know. I want I don't want to say that they they get the number one pick, but say say they get a top five pick, unprotected. They call they call Phoenix and they say we have this unprotected first rounder for you. Or I guess at the at, it'll be the draft time, so they'll know the exact draft number. Mm-hmm. Say say they get the they have the number two draft pick ready to offer Phoenix with. Uh, you know, fu- future future assets. You know, yeah, Jarrett Culver. Josh that it, that kind of package built around. Who says no? Does does is with for just Booker straight for up? Booker? Do you think well, do you think they could build a trade package for for no, Booker? No. Um, I don't think Minnesota could even afford to have three max players. In such early, because they'd all be in the first year of their max deal. Yeah, that's a lot of money. That's a massive luxury tax that I don't know if Minnesota wants to pay. Um, but you know that would obviously create a very, <laughs> very good trio for the next four years. But I don't know. I'm not sure if that money would work out. And if I'm the Suns, I'm not giving away Booker for, especially I'm not giving him away for the second, the number two pick in this draft. Yeah, that I think that's the holdup. I mean, even even if you look at a guy like Anthony Edwards or a you know, it's just not a, it's not a star-studded those, draft. Yeah, it's it's there's no Luca. It's bad. It's one hundred percent bad timing on their part. But okay, let me uh, let me play devil's advocate here. Um, the Suns struggle down the stretch, and Devin Booker voices his displeasure with the franchise and demands a trade. Or at least, or at least says I I am pretty strongly considering not, um, yeah. you know, because I I know he just signed that long long term deal, yeah. but you know, well that would be a new scenario. We would have that that's going to happen sometime soon. Yeah, where a, a young star player signs a five year deal and then wants out a year, that's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen with Booker or not, but that's going to be a situation that has never happened before. Or that we haven't seen or know how to deal with. I mean, the Anthony Davis thing was a little bit different, obviously, because you know he only had the year and a half left on his deal. Right. So that's a that was a little bit different, and there, you know, Cat's thing was getting a little worrisome with how they were doing it, and everything. like people were thinking that Cat would be that, that guy, first guy, yeah. and it's obviously not going to be Giannis because the Bucks are still winning. So Booker is probably a good choice for someone like that. He just doesn't seem like that type of guy. Uh. Just as but, a person. Okay, so I believe but Phoenix has been bad for a long time. Right. They have shown very little promise that they can stop being a bad team. Um and they can't they draft to save their lives. No, man, that's really see, and I even like Cam Johnson and I didn't understand why they picked him. But they got lucky with Booker and everything, and they did well this past offseason. Adding Rubio, adding uh, Aaron Baines, Mikhail Bridges is actually a really, really good player. Yeah. Uh, the Kelly Ubre trade is good too. Ubre's 
Uber, they could have got a lot at the trade deadline for Uber if they wanted to do that. But I'm glad they kept him. He's a really, really good player. Um, so it's like Phoenix has players around them. It's just, man, they're going to, they have, you know, it'd be nice if they, instead of DeAndre Ayton, you know, it'd be nice if who they had. Who? Luka Doncic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be, that would be the guy. We, we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now if they had just, if everyone had just picked Luka Doncic like they should have. They would have been the Mavs of, of this, like, of yes. This year. Oh, like, my gosh. They would Luka have been Doncic the Mavs. Devin Booker, Devin Booker wouldn't lose a game. Th- that would they, have. 82 and 0. Well, but, well. But, it, well. but it's, it's <laughs> that Phoenix just doesn't have a good track record of doing anything, right? Yeah, anything that promise that shows potential that they won't screw it up in the in the end, kind of like the Knicks. Yeah. So I so I I go back to the quote that D'Lo had this. What? How? When was it? Maybe last year or a year before? You know, a year and a half ago. He did. He he. uh, Talked to Slam Magazine or something like that, where he basically said he he was at some event with Cat and and Devin Booker. And he kind of said something along the lines of, we will be playing, all three of us will be playing together on the same team at some point in the future, I promise you. He said, he said uh, and I think I, I read the, I read the storyline, the, uh, the story, and it said, the guy had his recorder out, and as soon as Devin, as soon as uh, D'Lo started talking about it, he kind of put his recorder away, and D'Lo was like, no, I want you to get this on, on tape. All three of us will be playing together at some point in the very near future. He said, "I don't know what team it's going to be for. I don't know all of that dynamic, you know, that side of stuff. But I can assure you, we will be playing for the same team at some point. So keep that in mind. Maybe he sees, you know, Devin Booker's down, feeling lonely in Phoenix, watching his two other best friends, you know, kicking it in Minnesota, having a good time together. And this summer, he goes, you know what? I'm going to demand a trade. I want to have fun with my. I want to do hood rat stuff with my friends. And he." You and know? Then they all divert to New York and go play with World Wide West. Oh, there you go. That's the answer. Boom. T- plot twist. It's not happening in Minnesota. They're all three going to demand trades here in the the next couple months to n- New York. It's happening. No. Here for it. Not not happening. I I do see a scenario where Devin Booker goes there. I think I I think they're going to start getting desperate. I think the Minnesota's going to get uh not desperate because they did make the big trade today. Um they're kind of They still need more pieces though. But you but you get what I'm saying. They're they're right yeah. on the cusp. I think they're going to they get d- desperate to think, okay, well, you know, as as you know, we kind of calmed Cat's nerves a little bit here, but how you know we're, we're we're time you know time's still against them with with wanting to make him happy in terms of winning that we still haven't seen if this if this movie is going to make them actually a winning team. So we'll see, we'll see. It it was nonetheless it was a great trade for uh for Minnesota. Say what you want about Andrew Wiggins and all that. I can't stand him. I think he's a horrible NBA player. You can say it was a win for Golden State too. I will not. I think is fantastic win for Minnesota. Moving on, uh, Derek Walton Jr. Not going to talk about that because who cares? Uh, Javari Parker gets sent to Sacramento, where all things that are good die. Um, yep. So uh, the, the future grave of De'Aaron Fox. It's been fun, Jabari. Um, it's a shame. Sorry. It, isn't it kind of crazy that a guy like Jabari Parker, who was seen as the next LeBron James at one point? Is now there was a debate on it, I don't know if you should pick him or Cat. 
like or no, 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 never mind. That was it was, it was Wiggins. Bad. It was Wiggins. It was remember yeah. it was him and Wiggins and Safari uh, and Wiggins. They both ended up sucking. What are the odds, man? And then Alex, Len, it, he is now on the same page as Alex Len in terms of like salary dump. Isn't that just nuts? Like, eh, it's just wow. I, it's blows my absolute just just blows my freaking mind that that we have co- we have gotten to this point. Um, Jordan Bell goes to Memphis. Nobody cares. Um, Shabazz Na- Napier straight up for Jordan McRae. No one cares. Um, Let's talk about Iggy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Iggy. And this this also involves Kentucky guys. So, Iggy, Andre Iguodala sent to Miami um, after he got he gets traded from Golden State to Memphis. And right away he says, I will not report to this team. I will never play a single minute for this team. And he gets his wish. He gets his wish. He never plays a single minute with the, with the franchise. And sits out the entire team first finesse. Sit sits out the whole time. Gets finally, you know, he he obviously that trade demand was still in place. They found a uh, viable suitor for him. He gets sent to Miami with the likes of Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill in exchange for Justice Winslow, Dion Waiters, and Gorgie Zhang from Minnesota. Um, so uh, tell me what. What significance does this have with Miami, a, a Miami team that is very much a uh, a Kentucky, you know, a, a Kentucky-based franchise? Uh, well, this deal had the potential to be. It ended up being a three-team deal with Minnesota throwing uh, Gorgie Jang in there, but it was originally supposed to be the deal with OKC of trying to get Gallinari, Danilo Gallinari, a sharpshooter over with the Thunder, to try and add him as well, along with Iguodala. That would have been an amazing move. What they did instead, I'm not sure I'm okay with, uh, especially because you know they gave Iguodala, who's 35 or 36, something like that, the $30 million extension, which is a lot of money for it a is. guy that hasn't played this year, mm-hmm. who's coming off one of his worst seasons as a pro and like is aging. So all of that was very curious. And then they shipped away Justice Winslow, who has been hurt and everything, but is not a bad player by any means. Um, so I understand what Miami was trying to do, you know, because they're trying to make a playoff run. They think they have what it takes to win the finals this year. And they probably, adding Gallinari would have put them up in that tier. Um, just adding Iguodala, I don't think does. Uh but with Bam and uh, Jimmy Butler as your two all-stars, I think it was a smart move to try and go all in there. And Iguodala will be a serviceable guy on the perimeter. Yeah, um, He can do a lot of the defending that they haven't really had a guy do. Because uh, Tyler Hero, Jerome Ro- or not Jerome, uh, Duncan Robinson, and John, like all those backcourt guys really aren't that great defenders. And they also added Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill in that trade too. So that really all they did was add a bunch of really good, really solid perimeter guys. Yeah. Um, so I definitely do think that will help their, uh, their run for the playoffs. Um, as for Memphis, you know, they got Dion waiters. I don't even know what the deal is with Dion waiters anymore. I don't know if he's, <laughs> I don't think they, I don't think Dion waiters knows what the deal with Dion waiters is. Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so the Memphis, uh, it was nice that Memphis got justice Winslow and everything, but other than that, it's kind of a non-factor and, in that aspect, Memphis just wanted to get rid of Iguodala. Um, but and to, they get, got it, but to get Winslow back, you know, 
Yeah, if Winslow he, he's, can be healthy. He's had he some, will be a very good player. He's had some injury issues, but I mean, you are basically getting Justice Winslow for free. I mean, outside of trading Jay Crowder, but you know, yeah. if you if you're talking about a trade, a uh, straight up trade for Justice Winslow for for Jay Crowder, you do that all day, every day. Like you, yeah. you 100 make that deal. So, um, yeah, I think it was a win for both sides to an extent. I, I think the media hype is a little overblown about the impact that this will will have on Miami and their chances to win the East. I still don't think that they are. Um, they needed that extra shooter. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think part of it, if I had to guess, I know that Miami was very adamant about not adding Tyler Hero into any trade. Um, they put him off limits, like from the jump. So I'm I'm curious if the Thunder were poking around trying to get Tyler Hero Hero in that trade. Oh, I, I also it. heard that uh, Gallinari wanted a longer extension because he wanted to do what Iguodala did was do the trade and then trade and sign to do another extension. But uh, Miami has plans for the 2021 summer um, when there's going to be, you know, guys oh, yeah. like Giannis and all those, like it's going to be a massive something kind of like what we saw this past summer where the entire NBA pretty much switched teams. So there's going to, they have that down the line there. And with Bam and Jimmy Butler locked up, like they have a chance to make a real big three next summer. So they were keeping that in mind as well. I think uh, there's a lot of moving parts, but they really like Tyler hero, which is kind of cool to hear. Pat Riley is a, Big, big. Uh, he knows. He knows how to pick some Kentucky guys. Heck yeah, yeah. Weird, that was one thing. Enough. That's one thing he said. Remember that that quote he had on the the. He said, uh, "I'm never picking a Duke kid again." <laughs> something, <laughs> something like that after after picking Hero. I was like, "Damn!" Like Justice Winslow Good. was just picked like three years ago, dude. Yeah, they <laughs> like, shook his ass away. So, <laughs> like, like Winslow was literally picked three years ago, and you are. It's like, eh. Never picking a dookie again. Get the hell out of here. Love it. Fantastic. Um, okay, we'll end the show with our, with the last two big deals of the day. Um, we'll we'll kind of touched on it a little bit before, but the big <laughs> Andre Drummond trade Ooh, to yes. Cleveland. Uh, we talked about the Brandon Knight side of things, and we talked about John Henson and all that, but. Talk to me about the big uh, – what was his nickname? The Big Penguin? You guys get the Big Penguin from Detroit. What are your thoughts? Wow. So my first – I think my first text to you was just the word no. <laughs> it was. It was. No. Uh, <laughs> a few hours – several hours later, I'm I'm backtracking a bit on that no. It's more of a eh. At this point, um, for a couple of reasons, mainly um, because he's got the player option for this year. So what it would suck if he if he opted in for the twenty nine million or whatever it is. But as I was just saying, you know, this year's uh, free agency class isn't that great. Like Drummond was expected to be one of the better players if he declines his option in this uh, summer's class. So if Andre Drummond is one of the best free agents, it's not going to be a good class. Um, So even if he does opt in, you know, the Cavs aren't going to miss out on any big guys. And, you know, you could potentially see if that pairing, you want to see how he works with guys like Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, and Kevin Love. Mm -hmm. Um, and now you have an opportunity to do that. Who knows what happens with Tristan Thompson? I've, I keep hearing back and forth on maybe they want to buy up, maybe they won't. Who knows what they're going to do there? 
Um, he's going to get bought out. There's no way. You would think. What what what, what I, is what is he going to what value does he have? Person. They literally high they they literally traded they they traded for a rich man's Tristan Thompson. Like why why would they want the the, the poor man's version too? There's just no way. They'll trade Tristan in the summer. That'll happen. For what? But he Tristan Thompson makes something. $17 million a year. Nobody's trading for Andrew that. Andrew Wiggins just got traded for D'Angelo Russell. So. Well, Andrew Wiggins was the number one a number one draft pick and you know, Tristan he, Thompson's number 4 pick. He still but he, but Wiggins still puts up like empty stats. People still look at his box score and will oh, go, "Wow, Andrew Wiggins averages 23 points a game." Well, do you actually watch the games? I, I I don't know. There's there's the 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 value difference between Tristan Thompson and Andrew Wiggins is is absolutely significant. Uh, I just I just Look, don't see. I'm I'm gonna say right now that Tristan Thompson is far and away a more valuable player than Andrew Wiggins. Oh, buddy, I think. And that's know. I've I've watched I've watched the Cavs games. I've watched the Wolves games. Tristan Thompson is having his best year. His best he's having a career year by a mile, by a country mile. The guy is playing his best basketball in his career. If anything, his value should be at its highest right now, which I also, I also realize is not saying too much because he's a six foot nine center that can't shoot. So yes, he does have limited value, but I think he has more value than a guy like Andrew Wiggins does. Uh, yeah, that, but I, mean, that... I don't see Tristan playing with the Cavs much. I mean, he'll obviously still be on the team and he'll still play, but they're going to, the Cavs are going to try and see how, Kevin Love and Andre Drummond work down low, which I think is a solid pairing. And then they're going to see they're going to try and work out some kinks with Darius Garland and Colin Sexton and see if, you know, because w- what happens if you know Drummond comes, he he works well with everyone, he decides to opt out of his final year, then comes back to Cleveland and signs on a short or a smaller deal. You know that that could be something that happens, and I wouldn't be terribly upset about it because there's no no one's going to pay Drummond twenty nine million a year. No one's gonna tri- no one's gonna pay him eighteen million a year. Yeah. Well, you guys are paying him twenty eight million dollars a year next year. Well, someone had to pay him twenty nine million dollars <laughs> this year. But if and it, I've I've seen multiple reports conflicting that maybe he'll pick it up. Some say he'll pick it up. Some say he won't pick up that player option. So it really just depends on I guess what he thinks his market is. And it all goes back to saying, you know, this year's free agency class is weak. If Drummond is one of the best players, someone will overpay. Yeah. Yeah, so he, Drummond's not in a bad situation right now. Honestly, Drummond's in a pretty good spot, even though he got traded from Detroit to Cleveland. Yeah, he is not. He, he is. He is not in a good spot, like physically. Like being you, nobody is ever in Cleveland and thinks, "Wow, I'm in a good spot." <laughs> <laughs> no, Cleveland, you're absolutely right. Cleveland is hell on earth, and I can't believe that you are a fan of said franchise. Moving on, I'm also not from the city, so I have no ties <laughs> to the city. Let's, let's make that clear. <laughs> Okay, uh, final big-ish deal that happened today the, um, was between the Los Angeles Clippers, the New York Knicks, and the Washington Wizards. Um, the Washington Wizards sent out my uh, one of my favorite players of all time, Isaiah Thomas. Um, rest his – well, don't – God rest his soul, he's not dead. But, you know – He might as well be. No, oh come on! Be nice to the little fella. I he love got waved. Oh well, that that yeah, because he's he's gonna find his way back to Boston, and we're gonna have a beautiful beautiful reunion, and I'm gonna love every second of it. Okay, so it gets sent to L.A. with Marcus Morris uh, from the Knicks. 
and then L.A. sends out Mo Harkless and Isuf Sanon. However, you say that. I'll be. I'll be honest with you. I have never heard that name in my life. Me? And I've watched a bunch of Clippers games. <laughs> so, uh, obviously not a a substantial guy. He doesn't even have a salary next to his name. He literally – it says Mo, Mo he's Har- got to be a two-way player or something. Mo Harkless makes $11 million a year, and it says right here, uh, Isuf Sanon, nothing. Like, literally just doesn't even have a dollar figure. Even Isaiah Thomas, it shows $1.6 million next to his name. So, he has you been making less – Less money than minimum. I would, I would promise you he's probably on a two-way deal. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, whoever the hell that is, he is now playing for the New York Knicks. Uh, okay. Imagine being Mark Marcus Morris, who I have a very strong love-hate relationship with, given his time in Boston. Um, you know, for who he is, the gritty, you know, a gritty pit bull kind of guy. That's going to put his body on the line. He's going to, you know, get in a defender's face. He's going to, you know, he he's a tough, tough, hard-nosed type of guy. Um, and that I love him for. But the ISO, I'm going to get mine, I'm going to get up 15 shots a game kind of mindset that he has really screwed over the Celtics a whole lot. And he... You know, don't want to put blame on people, but I think a lot of the chemistry issues last year had to do with Marcus Morris wanting to have a bigger role than he actually had. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I love him for his positive qualities, and I am very happy that he was bas- he basically had two teams fighting over him at the mm-hmm. deadline, and it was the Los Angeles Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers. What a freaking life, Zach. To have you, you're in New York. You know, New York, fantastic city. You know, New York City. You get you know, pulling the mecca of basketball. The franchise sucks, but you're still living in New York. Pretty cool place. And to to say, okay, if I'm gonna leave my home in New York, what better place to get sent in term from a basketball perspective? Uh, you know, from you know, your two options are L.A. or L.A. Pretty darn baller of Marcus Morris, who now gets to play for a contender in the Los Angeles Clippers. Tell me about this move, and we'll wrap it up. Gotcha. Well, so kind of what you were saying about when he was in Boston, you know, Marcus Morris was a guy that wanted to put up 15 shots a game, so that's why he went to New York, where he's done exactly that. He shoots 15 shots a game. He's outside of Julius Randle, though. He's probably been their best player, Um, but that – is not a good sign. Uh, <laughs> so Mark, he's actually been, he's been a really good uh, shooter. He's let's see, he's shooting 44% on six uh, threes a game. That's really good. That's got 43, 44% is easily one of the best marks in the league. I can tell you that right now. Um, but in LA, he's obviously not going to have that kind of role. He's not going to be playing the 32 minutes a game that he is right now. But I do think that he gives the Clippers a massive boost um, in an area that they needed, which was kind of a stretch guy that can shoot the ball and also battle down low. Um, Marcus Morris likes to play almost more small forward than power forward. It feels like, um, but he can be a great guy to, you know, bring off and replace, uh, Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. That's a pretty, you know, bring him in with Pat Bev and, uh, Montrez Harrell. That is a, that, dangerous second unit so they have the, they have the strongest bench in, in the nba by a million yeah like by, I, by I, far 
I predicted the Clippers to win the finals at the beginning of the year, and I'm sticking with that. And I think the Mar- Marcus Morris trade just helps that a little bit. All they had to do, they sent away Mo Harkless, who Marcus Morris will replace Mo Harkless and then some. Then, then some, by far. Um, losing, They sent away Jerome Robinson, who was a young shooting guard from Boston College, who was actually starting to play pretty well. Um, but he's a guy that I don't think they had any issue getting rid of. Apparently, their one thing was they didn't want to get rid of Landry Shamit. Yeah. The kid from Wichita State who's been a stud ever since he got in the league. Um, so the fact that they got to keep him, they kept pretty much all their main pieces. And then whoa, 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 whoa. They, but they had to get rid of Isuf Sanon. <laughs> You're right. That's, and we don't even know if that's his name. <laughs> that's that's um, the, the, the guy with SpotTrack, whatever this website is, just typing in random <laughs> random digits on the on the computer. <laughs> Isuf Just like slap, when you slap your hand on the keyboard. <laughs> Bam! Point guard out of I don't even know. I don't know. It says he's from Ukraine. Yeah. Well, good good for him. I don't know who that is, but yes, yeah. Keep going. But that was pretty much it. So it, it was a good, it was a good deal for um, the uh, the Clippers. I know that Marcus Morris he had uh, back in the off season when he was picking the Knicks. He was supposed to originally go to the Spurs and then yeah. kind of curtailed them the last second, and that forced them to sign Trey Lyles who's playing that role that they wanted Marcus Morris to play. And he has done a terrible job. <laughs> so I don't, <laughs> yeah, it's, Hey, you know, that awesome, awesome role that Marcus Morris was, was carving, you know, was supposed to carve out in, in San Antonio. They got his replacement and it happened to be a former Kentucky guy. And he sucks. <laughs> Dude, it, well, and that's the thing is because Marcus Trey Lyles is a smaller or is just a worse Marcus Morris essentially in yeah. terms of talent. Um, so they're having him do what they wanted Marcus Morris to do. He's just not the kind of player that can do that. So Marcus, I know he went to New York because they gave him more money. That was the thing that got him there. Um, but yeah, man, then to have all those LA teams, I don't understand why the clip, the Knicks would even get rid of him just for Mo Harkless. That, yeah. And and the and the made up guy from Ukraine. <laughs> well, they got a tw- they got a first round pick out of it, but it's it's the Clippers yeah, pick. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a twenty twenty first round pick. From, okay, from yeah, the you're Clippers, right there. It but it's I mean that's yeah. gonna be that's gonna be the number twenty. That's the uh, that's the Clippers' pick. last first round draft pick for eight eight years, seven years, something like that. Yeah, it was. That was the only one they had after the uh, Paul George Kawhi Leonard thing. That was the only one they had left, and they just gave it away. But for Marcus Morris, so a pretty good deal. And I'd say it makes some title favorites right now, even over the Lakers. Man, could you imagine LeBron James thinking, like, "Oh yeah, man, like you know, we're going to run through the playoffs," and then thinking, "Oh, we got the Clippers coming." Your options to be to be, to be guarded by uh, Paul George or Kawhi or Marcus Morris, a known LeBron stopper. Like that's literally been when, when like when we when the Celtics played the the Cavs and and you know. Where all the various stops during yeah, Mark. Go, go ahead and tell me how those usually ended. Well, there. you get you get my point. Kyrie's the reason for that failure. Anyway, um, but Marcus Morris did a phenomenal job defending LeBron. Phenomenal. I mean, he's literally known as you know throughout the league as a LeBron quote unquote. I mean, not stopper. Nobody can LeBron stop stopper him. means that instead of getting twenty seven seven and seven, he gets twenty four five and five. But okay, well. There and you that's go. still that's a good 
If you're limiting LeBron to 24-5-5 five, and five throughout a whole playoff series, you probably win. But to, for him to be the third defending option behind arguably two of the best defending wings in the NBA, like, oh, yeah, it's not fair. like dude, yeah. dude. Like that's that's just not even fair. Like imagine imagine LeBron's feeling when he sees Paul George and and Kawhi go to the bench. You know this this playoffs. And he goes, oh yeah, baby. Like finally, I get I get a break. And then Moot comes in and goes, not today, buddy. <laughs> he comes in and yeah, it's it. I that's I brutal. I I feel for LeBron, even though I don't, because I can't stand LeBron. I don't really. Yeah, I'm a big Clippers fan right now. I saw a tweet. Uh, this is when the originally got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard that said, uh, uh, having Paul George and Kawhi Leonard go to the bench only for Montrez Harrell and Lou Will to come in is like eating steak for dinner and then having more steak for dessert. <laughs> and oh, and then adding adding Mook to that, who's. Even more vicious, and yeah, it, man, what a what a perfect fit for that team. God, that's 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 a that's a, a hell of a move right there, man. That they they're they're scary. I'm I'm here to tell you that that is a scary team. Um, this was fun, man. I really enjoyed this. This we was, went way longer than we expected. Yeah, this was supposed to be a 35 minute podcast, and we are now looking at a minute or an hour and 10 minutes. So yikes. Um. But that's okay. We're like we said, this is a test run. Um, you know, we're gonna throw this on the source of safe feed. Please, they please, hate it, they hate it. please reach out to us. Say, hey, this was awesome. We love this. Um, you know, try to try to fit more stuff like this in the future, and maybe uh, if if you convince us enough, we'll we'll turn this into its own individual podcast for you guys to listen to on a weekly basis. Uh, and if you didn't like it, please don't tell us. Uh, <laughs> please save, save me the anxiety of having to deal with your comments. All right. Well, Zach, uh, where, where can fans find your work, man? Uh, uh Oh God, where can they find me? Kentucky sports radio, right? Yeah. That's, that's kind of where you work. Yep, I'm on Twitter as well. Zach Gagan. Um, I'm spell not, that because you spell your own last name wrong. All right. Uh, well, it's Z A C K first of all. Okay. That's, that's the correct part. Yeah. Then Gagan is G E O G H E. G A N, three G's. Uh, Zach Gagan. Just type in Zach G on Twitter, and I guarantee I'll pop up. There you go. Uh, well, it's been fun, man, and uh, uh, we'll we'll do this again sometime. If if the fans if the fans say they want it, we will we will provide this hashtag great qu- uh, content. And if they don't want it, we'll do it anyways. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, like I said, it's been fun. I enjoyed you. Uh, Thanks for coming on with me and breaking down all of this absolute madness. Follow Zach. Go see his work. He puts out awesome stuff. Uh, If you're interested in sponsoring the show, as always, please don't hesitate to reach out to me on Twitter at JackPilgrimKSR or via email at uh, JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. And we will be back next week for another jam-packed Source of Say podcast. We will see you then.